Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top Podcast. This is episode 382 for the 15th of Kislev in Alipir. Yesterday, we spoke about music, songs, and we spoke about how it was and why it was that King David likened the laws of the Torah to songs, to a song. And we said that this is because song, what, what are songs? What is music? Music is transcendental. Music lifts people up, elevates people. And just like that, that's what the laws of the Torah do, is that they elevate all the worlds. When we keep Torah, when we do any of these dictates of the Torah, then we're actually elevating all the worlds. There's a spiritual component to it. And in fact, the source of all of our worlds is in the Torah, is in God's Torah, because God's Torah is God's supernal wisdom and will. But what we find out today is that David Melch was actually punished for this. This was not a good thing that he likens the Torah to song, even though, yes, there's a basis for this. And we, we saw that in the in the Zohar, there's actually a reference to the Torah being song. So what's the problem? It seems to make sense, right? It seems like a very huge praise for Torah to be, to be acknowledging its transcendence and to be acknowledging the fact that it actually, that the world, actually the vitality of the world stems out of Torah. So what we'll learn today is that while, yes, there is something to this, it's actually a very limiting state of being. Why? Because by calling Torah a song, which by extension is sort of saying that the Torah is God's supernal mind through from which the world emerged, we're actually limiting God. Because God, like a composer, like let's say Mozart, for example, is not limited to writing just one song and to kind of encapsulate God's entire mind in just the song aspect that's actually extremely limited it's it's like if we were to say that mozart if we wanted to really grasp mozart's mind what should we do we should listen to one of his uh concertos right like a famous piece that he wrote and then yeah now this is this is mozart's mind and um and this is false right and all the more so is it false for god that by having this uh by having this um this understanding of Torah being the song of the world, what we're doing kind of ironically is giving too much credence to the world. We're kind of stating that the world is a given. And then we're like having this like aha moment of realizing, oh, wow, there's something beyond the world. The world receives its vitality from this Torah, from the laws of the Torah, which we can think of as like this transcendent song. When in fact, the reality is, is the true truth is God's supernal wisdom. And not only is the world in which we live secondary to it and nullified to it, it's like, it's like, it, it doesn't even measure up. It's so beyond comparison. It's something totally beyond that. So while yes, it is a powerful statement to say that 
the, that the laws of the Torah transcend this world. Um, but that's just acknowledging things from a very limited perspective. What, from what the Tanya from the altar is going to talk, going to, um, term the back side of God, the Ahoraim, as we call it in Chassidus, versus the Pnimius, the inside, the the inward, the, the front part, that's something that's way beyond any of this discussion. So let's go through the text and maybe we'll talk a little bit more as we go and see how the Altar Rabbah explains this. So the Altar Rabbah tells us how, indeed, when David Melech said that, uh, referred to the Torah as being songs, Hashem berated him and Hashem said, how are you calling, you're calling them songs, like sort of like an accusatory manner. And so the story is that basically, yes, like we mentioned yesterday, everything in the world, like we were talking about what is a song? A song is sort of like this thing that transcends the world, that transcends uh reality as we know it. So it's true that that's the, that is what the Torah is. Every single detail of the Torah transcends totally anything that we know about the world, anything that's in the world, so that the entire world is is nothingness in comparison to any any particular detail of Torah. And we explain that this is because the Torah is God's wisdom. However, now the Altar explains, but yet, okay, when we say that the Torah is God's wisdom, particularly when we talk about the Torah as it pertains to the world and how it is, it serves as the origin of the world, it's we're talking about the 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 backside of God's wisdom. We're talking about the Novlot Chochmah. It's like the the vestiges of, of Chochmah. However, when we want to talk about like the inner wisdom of God, the inner uh, this is the inner side of Torah. This is not just like the Torah in like a the laws of the Torah in an external way, but it's actually the inner aspect of Torah. The Pnimius Torah is called in Hebrew, and this Pnimius Torah, the inner aspect of Torah, is totally unified with God with utmost unity, and. And when we're talking about this level of unity, about the internal aspect of God, like God's innermost thoughts, this is something that it's like to compare it to the world, to say, oh, it's the source of the world or it transcends the world. It's like a joke. <laughs> it's like basically, it's, it's it's like there there's no connection between the two in terms of um, comparison, which is uh, illustrated in something we say in the morning prayers where we say, so you were the same before the world was created and since the world was created. So Hashem doesn't change. Like Hashem, the world has no influence on, on Hashem. We've spoken about this elsewhere in Tanya. And so thus, with this in mind, uh, when we talk about the Pneumus Torah, when we talk about the innermost aspect of the Torah, uh, to give it any kind of praise, like to, to say like, oh, it's this beautiful song and everything like that, it's like you're actually uh, diminishing its value. Because this inner aspect of Torah is not there. It's not like a, a joy of a person. It's not something that like a person can delight in really because a person is limited. It's it's God's delight. That's true, right? But only God can really recognize the greatness of the Torah on this level of this inner aspect of the Torah. Um, as it says in Eov chapter 28, verse 23, Hashem understands its way and way and knows its station. So because Hashem, because for Hashem, it's self-knowledge, like everybody knows themselves better than everybody else, right? So it's like when you like think about yourself, think about it's like there's what you project to the world and that the world sees. And yes, even you could have a very close friend, a spouse or whatever, you know, a partner who knows you really, really well, but yet what they know of you is not the same thing of what you know of yourself. Like your inner knowledge of yourself is incomparable to anything that can be displayed on the outside. And so, uh, 
also is explained in Eof chapter 28, verse 21, that it's this, this inner aspect of God is concealed from any living being. And this is also uh, related to that citation that we brought up before from Shemot chapter 30, verse 23, that you shall not see my face. And we explained that face is the panim in Hebrew is related to the word panimu. It's the inner aspect. Um, the Orizal explains this. And so when we see that the Torah is described as being like a delight. Like we see that in Mishlei, for example, in chapter 8, verse 30, it says, mm-hmm. that I will be unto him a delight. It's actually a reference to God and God's delight, that, this, that the Torah is God's delight. It's like delight, he's delighting in himself um, because it, this is like referring to the inner aspect. And the ultra says that this explains why it is that the Midrash um, comments, makes uh, has a commentary on a certain uh certain verse in Mishlei chapter 8 verse 30 where it was um where it says veye eslo amon which means like i was nurtured by him like nurtured by god and the midrash says don't read amon but read omen meaning to say that the emphasis isn't on the fact that we are nurtured by god but rather the fact that god is the one that nurtures us so it's, it's a little obscure but the basic idea is that um when we're talking about the pneumis of the torah when we're talking about the inner aspects of the torah the emphasis isn't on the world and it isn't on us and it isn't on like oh wow this is amazing what we're able to experience is all coming from the torah the pneumis of the torah is like the world doesn't even hold even any any little bit of being like it's like it's not to be able to encapsulate the inner aspects of the torah through our eyes is impossible we can't say that um, we have even any semblance of experience of the inner aspects of the Torah. Yet when we talk about the external aspects of the Torah, that's something else. When we talk about the external aspects of the Torah, this we can say has to do with our delight, with our, uh, this is what's referred to in Mishlei in the verse right after that in verse 8, uh, in chapter 8, verse 31, it says, Playing in the world, his land and my delights are with mortal men. So this external aspect of Torah is related to our pleasure. This is this is how we can understand our existence, our world that we live in. It all comes from the Torah, from the external aspects of Torah. So to really grapple with this, the, the ultra but explains that the, the Torah, we have to understand the Torah is an, a front aspect, otherwise known as an inner aspect, and it has a uh, back aspect, otherwise known as an external aspect. And this is hinted at in Zechariah, when Zechariah says and uh, about the Torah that it was written front and back. Um, so there's this front, front is the inner aspect and back is the external aspect of the Torah. And so David Melech, what happened was when he was in this ecstatic state, going back to this mistake he made when he referred to the Torah as being a song, he was latching on to the external aspects of Torah. And this is why, what was his punishment? Because he sort of like was latching on to the external aspects of Torah, but he forgot about the internal aspects of Torah. So his punishment was to be forgetful. Um, because forgetfulness, where does forgetfulness come from? It comes from this place of Ahoraim, this place of the external forces. And and uh, and he became forgetful about how to hold the ark. And specifically, as we'll see, the specific way in which he became forgetful is also significant. So he forgot that you have to carry the ark on your shoulders, and instead he put it in a wagon. And uh, why is it important to carry the ark on the shoulders? So the shoulders, if you think about it, the shoulders they're in your the back of your body, right? And so when 
what when we when we carry the ark on our shoulders, we're basically sort of like attaching our ahoraim, our backside, to a, a holy service, which is the um, which is the uh, the supernal wisdom in a way of frontwards. Because ultimately, as we explained, even though Torah, yes, it has a back to it. Ultimately, the true inner aspects of Torah is the inward aspects of God's chachma. Um, because this, the ark. What did the ark contain? The ark contained uh, the tablets, the luchos. And the way that they were written, the luchos were very miraculous. That that they actually the the Aserah Dibros were the ten uh, commandments were written in such a way they were carved through so that you could see them on either side. So this hints at the fact that there was the front aspect and the back aspect. And ultimately, according to the Talmud Yerushalmi, it's actually explained that they, it was only the front aspect that it was all the front aspect because of this this fact that like they didn't. Um, like any way that you looked at the luchos, it looks it it seemed as if you were looking at it from the front. So the luchos really epitomized this idea that the true aspect of Torah, the true inwardness of Torah, is front, is inwardness. And so basically, the reason why the inner aspect, the real reason, the deeper reason between behind why it is that we had to carry the uh, the ark on our shoulders is because the shoulders is our backside, and so we're connecting our backside with the Torah, which is the ultimate front, to kind of connect us with this internal aspects of Torah and not just stay limited to the external aspects of Torah. And so David HaMelech, this, now we understand why he was punished, uh, what his reasoning was, and what the punishment was all about. Because yes, he rejoiced in the Torah, uh, as we mentioned yesterday, because he really understood that the Torah is can the external aspects of Torah anyways can be thought of as like a song in comparison to the world because the whole world is nullified to it and uh, the the Torah transcends the world and it gives vitality to the world and all that stuff but that's only the external aspects of Torah so by rejoicing so much in that this was like a way he was neglecting the inner aspects of the Torah he was neglecting what the Torah really is truly which is something that which that totally it's not even that it transcends the world it's like it has no connection with the world at all it's just inner god's inner 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 wisdom and so thus his punishment was to forget and because the forgetfulness comes from the backside just like uh he was connecting with the backside of torah and specifically what it was that he forgot was this thing of carrying the ark on your shoulders which signifies this connection of back to front so um yeah and to connect it back to song same idea again that it's like if we were to think of you know Lahavdiel, a composer like Mozart or something like that, and we were to say, we were to say Mozart. What is Mozart? Mozart, Mozart is is this particular concerto that he wrote, right? Like that is what Mozart is. It's extremely limiting, and in fact, it could be quite insulting to Mozart to say that Mozart is just this one song. So that's it for today, and uh, we're going to continue with a new essay tomorrow. And so I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.